Welcome to Small Business Minutes. We will learn to survive, adapt, and thrive. Hello, welcome to another episode of Small Business Minutes. With me today is Brad Reynolds, a partner in Molinari Oswald, and we're here to do a PPP update. The There's been some uh, changes, uh, some additional uh, guidance issued by the SBA, and uh, we also want to talk about a potential, what I call, tax trap for people who have received PPP funds. But first, let's get into the um, just a general PPP update. So, Brad, I know the SBA has issued um, some additional guidance. Can you can you um, share anything? Because I think the last time we did something was uh, at least a month ago. So, yeah. So the last time we talked, there was some legislation, as as there is with this PPP loan. There seems to be new legislation coming. At least early on, there's there's new legislation coming every every few days. New 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 rules coming. Um, but the last we spoke, um, there was something on the table as far as extending the initial eight weeks. So it was initially eight weeks. You received the money. You had to spend that money on certain items within that eight-week period. Um, and there was, uh, when we spoke last, uh, there was some discussion between the House and Senate on, on modifying that, and they, they hadn't agreed on it at that point. But shortly thereafter, um, they came to an agreement that now extends the eight weeks uh, to 24 weeks. So um, after you receive the money, you you now have after you receive your PPP loan, you now have twenty four weeks to spend that money on the on the qualified expenses, payroll, um, rent, utilities, um, and prior prior to the change, the the money needed to be spent seventy five percent on your payroll, and the other twenty five percent could be spent on the other other qualifying items. That threshold is now sixty percent. So you have 24 weeks to spend it. 60% of the money must be spent on payroll. And um, you actually have the option to choose the eight weeks or the 24 weeks, depending. If you're able to spend it in the eight weeks, uh, you can file for forgiveness just using that period. Or you can select the 24-week period. Uh, Good. Do we have any tools that we could share with listeners that would help them kind of decide if there's uh, pluses and minuses to the, well, I guess, firstly, are there any uh, things that would push you into the 24-week or the eight-week period decision process? Well, certainly if you weren't able to spend all of your money uh, to qualify for for full forgiveness in the eight-week period, it would probably be to your benefit to select a 24-week period. Um, so that gives you, obviously, longer time to spend that money. When you initially applied for the loan, you were looking at a two-and-a-half-month period that you used to determine their loan amount, so 10 weeks roughly. Uh, so hopefully you'd be able to spend 10 weeks' worth of expenses in 24 weeks. Um, so for those that weren't able to spend it and wouldn't therefore qualify for, for, for full forgiveness, it would make sense to, to uh, select the 24-week period. Yes, and I know that just some of the conversations that I've had with clients and possibly you've had with clients um, in the first wave of applications for the money, a lot of businesses and certainly clients of ours went out and got the PPP funds and spent the money. Of course, the primary purpose of this whole program was to keep people employed and off unemployment. 
but if they use that money quickly in the eight weeks, and uh, obviously the 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 pandemic and the fallout from it has persisted, and so there's been no additional uh, funding uh, provided on a federal level. Um, and so that money quickly came and went for many uh, small businesses and um, uh, there's no no relief in sight. And certainly depending on the type of business you're in, you may be in a very desperate situation. So, oh, anything else to add there? I was say there was a second round. So the, the initial um, allotment of, I think it was 350 million or billion, sorry, B mm-hmm. with a B, um, was used up pretty quickly within the first few weeks, I guess. Um, so they, they came out with another round uh, that didn't get used up, actually. They, the, the time expired to apply for the loans, uh, and I believe there's still $120 billion out there that was allocated that at this point I'm not sure what, what they're um, going to do with that, how they're going to use that money. Yeah, that so and and just to clarify, the, the 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 second round was not for a second loan. That was just funding for people who had applied but didn't get the money in the first round. That's correct. Yes. Um. So, so just to clarify. So, what about on uh, anything else about any other uh, changes? Um, you want to well, share? Uh, nothing specific, but um, I mean, I think there's still there's still some open questions on on. I guess we'll get into a little bit more on the forgiveness side of things, but as far as applying for the loans um, and, and how they can be used, there's, there's no changes that I'm aware of. Okay. And uh, again, the fallout from the pandemic persists and um, we're heading into winter. Um, and so we'll see what that does. Um, certainly in the restaurant business in Pennsylvania, where we're located, uh, the weather is starting to change. The state has changed some of the capacity limits, um, but I think it's still going to be a real struggle um, because simultaneously the CDC came out with a report that said a certain percentage of people said they went to a restaurant in the two weeks prior to testing positive for uh, for the virus, and certainly that press is not helpful uh, to struggling uh, restaurant business, especially. So even if it's not completely uh, connected um, directly, it still doesn't bode well. Okay, so uh, getting into just the general forgiveness piece, um, there's been talk of single-page form for loans under a certain amount. I don't believe anything has actually been decided there. Do you know anything about that, Brad? I don't know that anything came of that. Um, they did come out with a an easy form that's uh, three or four pages long versus the traditional form that's eleven or twelve pages long. So there is an easy form. They were the, the, what you're referring to was a, an even easier form potentially um, that was was basically just going to be a um, affirmation of I, I used the money as it was intended. I'm certifying that I did that, um, but I don't know that anything has come come of that. I think maybe the hesitation about that. I supposedly that that from what I read, the it was going to be for loans less than one hundred and fifty thousand. But I think maybe the hesitation at this point is that there's been a fair amount of fraud uh, discovered uh, with some of these loans um, and other things. Uh, you know, initially there was the the outcry of 
large public companies uh, with franchises receiving significant sums. Some of those companies returned that money. And now there's the second wave of uh, what appears to be a, a, a fair amount of fraud in the, in the process. I had, <clears throat> pardon me, it was interesting because I had the thought, I know what it was like for us when we were working with our clients and banks and lending institutions. And most of us, most of those banks had to go through the process of getting all the data. So I wonder if that information was fraudulent or was it factual? And I don't know, because you had to provide certain information, but you could have mocked something up, I suppose. And, you know, they didn't take the time to verify your tax returns or or anything like that. You had to provide, I think, some your payroll data. Uh, and so... I know that there's other programs out there, uh, at least in Pennsylvania, there's some state level programs uh, and grants and things, but they're being a lot more given some of the press and some of the things that have happened in the PPP program, they're being a lot more uh, stringent and they're, they're actually getting copies of your tax returns, but then asking you to complete a form to request transcripts of your returns from the IRS, which if someone doesn't reply to that request, you can guess that what they gave the grant program uh, may not be factual. So, so maybe that's what's slowing up the small loan um, attestation, single page form. Uh, who knows? Um, go yeah, the, the, the easy form is, is pretty, I mean, it's pretty basic. So, I mean, to get much easier than that would be, it, it's not too difficult what they're asking for. It's, I think it's really only two pages worth of information. There's two pages of instructions, but um, most people, I, well, I mean, there's, there's, there's qualifications to allow you to use the easy form, which we can go over. Um, but I don't know that it's going to get much, much simpler than what it already is. Okay. Why don't you just go through the, 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 what the criteria would be to use the simple form? Yeah. So initially when this came out, it was alluded to that this would be, kind of similar to what you were referring to, it would be able to be used for loans below a certain dollar amount. Uh, but they have, they have revised that or, or, or uh, clarified, I should say, a little bit more that. So you can use the easy form if you can answer yes to one of these three questions. Um, are you self-employed um, and had no employees at the time of the PPP loan? You as a borrower, you didn't reduce your annual salaries or wages of employees more than 25%, and you also didn't reduce the number of employees more than 25%, or you didn't reduce your annual salaries by more than 25%, and you were unable to operate like a, a business that, you know, restaurants, for, for example, that were completely shut down for a certain period of time, um, or other industries that were completely shut down for a certain period of time by, by mandate. So you weren't able, even if you wanted to operate, you couldn't. So as long as you didn't reduce your employees um, by more than 25% or wages by more than 25%, you, you can use, use this uh, easy form. Everyone else has to use the traditional uh, form. Okay, and I've seen the traditional form, and you don't want to have to use that form <laughs> if you can get away from it. Now, just to clarify something, in a situation, and again, we're using restaurants, but there's other businesses that were forced to either close or reduce capacity such that they couldn't or chose not to because of the revenue versus the expenses to be to have all of their employees back. Are you saying that uh, someone just has to attest to that, or is it is it is there a, 
a numerical calculation still that affects them. Because it seems to me if someone's capacity is 25%, you're not going to have all of your employees back um, during the PPP uh, you know, measurement period, whether it's eight or 24 weeks. Uh, that could come into play. Um, I mean, the goal of the PPP was to be able to pay your employees so they could stay off unemployment. So some, some may have chosen to you know, get the PPP money and pay their employees, even though they didn't have to work for their employees. So in their instance, they would have been able to maintain that level. Uh, those that maybe got the PPP and chose not to bring them back um, would actually fall under the, the need to, to use the full form. My understanding is that. Okay. Well, so if you're, an, uh, if you're a restaurant owner and you only had uh, a certain percentage of your employees back, and maybe there'll be more clarification on this. So lastly, at, it looks like we're going to go along on this segment, but this I think is good information. Lastly, that would bring up the issue of forgiveness timing. You know, we were stating in the last time we talked about this, wait, because the... the um, the rules keep changing, uh, eight weeks to 24 weeks, uh, not 75%, now 60%. And, uh, you know, we're getting close to the election. It appears that there's not going to be a lot of legislative change, although a lot of these changes, administrative changes, are being issued by the SBA. Um, and so what's your thoughts on the timing of your forgiveness application? Well, it's it's... The forgiveness side of things is open now. You certainly can apply for it and and, and start that process. Um, you have 10 months to apply for forgiveness, um, so there's some time. Um, the process itself takes some time. So the, the banks have, you, you submit all your information, you the app, fill out the application and submit the supporting documents to the bank. They have two months to review everything, and then they hand it off to the SBA, and the SBA has another three months to review. So if you were to submit an application today, it's potential it could be five months from now that you've received notification of forgiveness. You have 10 months to apply. So so you really could stretch. I mean, we could be out 15 months from, from the time. If you wait till the end of your 10-month uh, period to submit the application, then the bank and the SBA go through their process. So this whole thing could take some time from the time you receive the loan till the time you ultimately are forgiven, which really brings up you know, the point that you were talking about is this tax trap related uh, matter where so you've received the money in one year and you're not forgiven until the next year, as was initially part of the uh, goal of this plan is the money that you receive is not taxable income to you. On the flip side of that, there's been some recent legislation that kind of confirmed that the expenses associated with that money are not deductible. The IRS came out with a ruling, I believe it's uh, 2020-32, I believe is the number. Um, they came out with a ruling that says when you spend money, uh, you have expenses that are associated with tax-exempt income, it's it's non-deductible. Um, so if your timing of your forgiveness is in a year that's different than when you receive the money, you could be, could be left with a, a little bit of a tax trap where you're the money's in, you received, but you don't get a deduction for it. Right. So here's the issue. We have clients that are fiscal year clients, June 30, uh, September 30. 
And we're grappling with some of these issues because they've received funding, PPP funding. They haven't applied for forgiveness. What's the position you take on their tax return? It's unclear right now, uh, as for, at least whether you uh, don't take the deductions, uh, even though you know, maybe you know 100% of the loan is going to be forgiven, but it hasn't form- been formalized. Do you not take the deduction for the money spent for the wages uh, and rent and so on in 2020? Or do you wait till the year in which you have, you know that the loan is forgiven, etc.? So we've been asking ourselves a lot of these questions. Now, uh, think about this. We'll just kind of use a scenario that's very um, simple. Uh, you're a sole proprietor. You have two employees. Uh, you got a PPP loan for $50,000. Um, absent that money or, or before that money uh, you received for to help pay your wages, your business was suffering because of the pandemic. So you were going to have a loss because your revenues had dropped and, and so on. So you received the money, you paid your employees, you kept them employed, and now you get to the end of the year, and let's say you found out it was all forgiven, just as an example, before year end. You find yourself with, you have a $10,000 loss before, you know, counting the wages that you paid to your employees from the PPP loan, but the PPP loan was $50,000, and you can't deduct that, so now you have a $40,000 profit which you're going to pay tax on, which will eat up in this example, uh, let's just say 25% of 40,000. So now you've got to come up with $10,000 to pay tax. So you didn't, the loan that you got was 50. You're now it's reduced essentially the help of the money that you received to 40,000. I think this is going to be a surprise for a lot of people because they're not necessarily focused on this and they're focused on surviving. And the last conversation I want to have with clients is this is the circumstances. And these are small numbers. We're dealing with um, bigger clients at this point, fiscal year clients, where the numbers are more staggering in the millions. And we don't know if this, I guess what I've struggled with, and I'm hoping that this gets addressed once the election is over or maybe sooner, if possible, that uh, there is legislation that addresses this. You know, my personal feeling is, is that um, this was money that was given to business owners to help maintain their employees and keep them off unemployment. Those that did it correctly, if they were already struggling and they're still going to have a loss despite this money, I think that they shouldn't be penalized. Uh, again, this is opinion. <laughs> uh, be clear. Um, so I'm hoping that there'll at least be legislation that basically says, the PPP money uh, cannot, uh, at least cannot create a loss so that at the bare minimum, it would be a break-even situation. There is some precedent for this. There, there are some, um, uh, in the tax code, there's something called the Section 179 deduction, which allows you to write off expense, the purchase of assets. However, it is clear that the uh, 179 deduction cannot create a loss. So there is some precedent for what I'm proposing. Now, there's so there's just that in a simple form. But I know Brad and I discussed earlier that there's even something more concerning here if you start disallowing wages. And what are those other things, Brad, the kind of the other consequences of once you begin to start 
down that road? Well, it can have a domino effect, really. Um, there are other calculations uh, going on in the tax return um, that are use wages as, as one of the bases. Uh, one of the more recent deductions is qualified business income deduction or QBI that takes wages into consideration. So if you start disallowing wages, wage deductions for the PPP money, how does that affect some of these other calculations that are going on? So it, it, it really is a domino effect. Um, so going back to what you suggested, potentially of what could happen, um, you know, allowing these deductions, but only up to a certain point, there is, there is some push by the um, AICPA, American Institute of CPAs, and a bunch of other uh, business and trade organizations kind of pushing, pushing to allow the deductions for these expenses. So I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I think the intent was that the in, uh, the forgiveness is not included in income, but if you disallow the expenses on that money, uh, you're essentially taxing taxing the income. You're you're reducing your expenses, so you're you're taxing the income. Um, I think a lot of these things are still in the air. Um, I think there's going to be some legislation. It's just a matter of when that's going to happen. Um, a lot of a lot of the uh, some of our colleagues in the in the in the industry are suggesting that that we extend returns so anyone that falls into this category that we're you know forgiveness will fall in a year that's different than when the money was received and spent um, is to extend the return hopefully giving us a little bit more time to for uh, the powers that be to to come up with some sort of uh, resolution on on how this should be treated so hopefully i mean it, unfortunately uh, similar to our discussion last time uh, there are things still in the works, and we don't have answers to everything at this point. Right. We did want to. We did want to have this uh, podcast uh, now because we just wanted to give people as much notice as possible to be thinking about these things. Um, and also, if you have connections <laughs> with any legislators, uh, to begin to talk to them about this because it's a real issue. And if you if you were if you were in a business that was really suffering and you received a loan, and now the consequences of that money is going to create, because you cannot deduct the expenses related to it, create a taxable profit for you for which maybe you don't have any cash. Um, it's a real issue, um, and depending on the numbers, it could be sizable. Plus, as Brad pointed out, there are uh, other consequences to the disallowance of wage expense, for example. And in my simple example, uh, that taxpayer's adjusted gross income would be higher, which impacts other um, lots of other calculations on a personal tax return. So um, so stay tuned because we'll, we'll try to stay on top of this for you. And if certainly if there's any breaking information, we'll do another uh, podcast related to this. Certainly, if you have questions, um, you can email us, uh, podcast at molinarioswald.com. Uh, that'll be in the show uh, episode notes. We would love to hear your concerns and uh, questions, and we'll address them if you send us any questions in the next um, episode. So without taking any more time, because we've gone long on this episode, I just want to thank you for listening, and thank you, Brad, for participating. always appreciate your um your insight in this area. Sure, glad to help. Remember, we all start small. 
This podcast is sponsored by the accounting firm of Molinari Oswald, located in Centre Valley, PA. Serving small businesses globally. If you love this podcast, please subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you.